good people and inhabitants of planet Earth, both foreign and domestic. Welcome to the Dear Human Paradox. I'm your host, Darius Riddick, and I would like to thank you for joining me in what is nominally the next stage of evolution for humankind. For those of you new here, a quick filler of what the Dear Human Paradox is actually about. So we have this radical idea that when you begin to understand the foundation of the common denominator across all of, of human existence, then you can begin to not only tune it, but improve it for future use. And of course, what we are talking about specifically is the human machine. Like all great machines, once you begin to understand the inner working components, you can uh, find each and every single one and use each piece to your advantage. And there are a lot of concepts that we can juxtapose and, and compare and contrast to that. But we do our best to tease out each and every single one so we can take this huge vast sea that is human performance and break it down to something that's more digestible so that whether or not you have experience a military background whether or not you have a, a, a medical background whether or not you are a sports therapist whether you're just somebody who's just trying to look into how to navigate the complicated world of health and wellness so here you can learn something and if you don't learn something that you can add something that you may know to help improve the quality of life for those that come after us. Because what is life if you can't improve the quality of it for those that come after you? Our ancestors did it for us. Our predecessors and researchers before us did it. And, you know, now the ball is in our court to be able to do the same. So that's where we're at. Um, very quick, a lot to it. We're about 90 episodes deep, I think, but, you know, so much more to go. So if you are returning once again. As always, you have my gratitude. I will do my best to ensure that your time is well invested. So for everyone here listening right now, as always, on this day in history, uh, August 4th, 2012. So roughly was that 11 years ago, Oscar Pistorius becomes the first amputee runner to compete at the Olympics. Now, for those of you that know the story behind Oscar Pistorius and what kind of later happened, you know, we're not even going to go into that. So what I like to do is talk about the greats of someone's life because, you know, there's always going to be a narrative painted to, to what happens. So this is huge as far as what we discuss with human performance, because this is something that hadn't happened before. For those of you that have seen the image, it, it, it was like one of the first true images of the bionic man competing in what is truly considered the zenith of athletic performance, right? Only the best of the best can make it to the Olympics and only the best of the best get to compete at the Olympics and only the best of the best can win, you know? So there are different levels to even being the best. And one of the great things about this is, you know, it just shows how fast into the 21st century that our not only our understanding of the human machine evolved, but also how, how we can overcome obstacles to continue a path to peak performance. And one of the, uh, um, I guess if, if you're unfamiliar with the story, just understand that Oscar Pistorius, you know, had, had his legs amputated below the knees. So this is someone who was uh, uh, running with blades during, during the Olympics. And, you know, this is something, you know, just moving forward into our, our conversation about our understanding of human performance and our understanding of the human machine, right? Let's truly put this into perspective. Something that 100 years ago 
was considered a a debilitating disability. You know, it, it was it was something that someone looked at that would limit you in a, in a in a number of ways, but especially when it comes to performance. I can tell you right now, to this day, from when I started my personal training journey. 12 years ago, 10 years ago, however long it was, uh, just because <laughs> I decided to date myself, that um, there are people right now, and, and not to not to go at anybody's throats, that have to the function of both legs that still will not test the limits of their performance, that will not run a 100 meter or 200 meter or a 400 meter just because they don't want to or just because they don't feel like it, whether they're lazy or they don't have the interest. I don't know. But that's one of the things where, you know, I consider performance or a blessing taken for granted because there are people who are paralyzed. There are people who are paraplegic who would give anything to have the function of both their lower legs. So it's it's one of those concepts where we can put it into uh, both a scientific and a cultural application. So why this is important and why I decided to to bring up this topic is 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 what's going to lead us into you know one of the concepts we wanted to further discuss today and and that is about weak links and dynamics and one of the greatest things that I that that to this day that I, that I talked about uh with someone very near and dear to me quite some time ago and that I learned you know, to, I, I, in my opinion, too late in life that I want to share with you all in hopes that it makes sense is that you are only as strong as your weakest link. And when I first learned this concept, it was pertaining to team dynamics. And for those of you that don't know, I spent quite a significant time in the military in uh, 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 combat-focused jobs, specifically uh, explosive ordnance disposal or uh, bomb squad, for those of you that don't know. And, of course, in those settings, you understand why teams are so important and team dynamics in general. So you're in combat zones, you're in locations where, you know, it's literally life and death. And you have to put trust in people that you barely know. You know, the, the people that you're operating with left and right could be people that, you know, came from completely different backgrounds where, you know, they don't accept people that look like you or that sound like you or, you know, you, you don't really know that person and you don't have the kind of time or the experience to get to know them. You know, based on what you both volunteered for, you have to put that trust in each other's lives. And, you know, a lot of people wouldn't be willing to do that, which is why it's it's volunteer and why there's such a high attrition rate and why there's just such a so such a little force. But <clears throat> team dynamics, extremely important in settings like that. And though we're not talking about combat uh, teams today, understand that team dynamics is important in in, in every single situation um, in business in combat, in, in social situations, in personal relationships, team dynamics is, is really going to make or break the difference. And the the phrase that you are only as strong as your weakest link states that if you are if you all come together for a, a commonality in a mission, that the the person who is the weakest is going to set the pace for the squad. And we always found this out the hard way whenever we had to go on like rucks or runs and you know we had to stick together. If we had to make a certain time, but there was one guy or one gal who was weak at the ruck or who was smaller and couldn't hold the weight, you know, we had to pick them up so that we all make it. Because if 
if four of us made it to the end and one of us was left behind, oh, trust me, everybody's going to suffer. <laughs> and then and vice versa, you know, so if 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 we all failed, we all failed together. So if we didn't make time, we were going to get smoked. We were going to get, you know, uh, hosed and we were going to get uh, all, all kinds of like haze, whatever you want to call it. But we did it together and we did it as a team because we had to recognize what team dynamics actually meant. And that concept is so important today. And it makes and, 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 and it has such a concrete standing in today's society and in today's climate and culture. And I don't think that it will ever go away. But we can also look at the same concept when we talk about the human machine. Now, we frequently discuss that the human machine is broken up into two 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 separate entities to be to keep it simple that is human cognition and human physicality so when we're discussing human cognition we're talking about things that you can't truly measure so uh, mental mental capacity uh, uh perception imagery and the the the, the possibilities that the brain ha can output when we talk about physicality that's more physical performance and what that translates to as far as aesthetics performance or size and shape <clears throat> so any of these portions, what we have to understand moving forward is that any of these concepts are only as strong as the weakest link. And I'll give the the most simple concept that comes to mind at the beginning. And that is if consider a VO2 max. OK, VO2 max determines an athlete's ability to take in oxygen and to circulate it throughout their system and to output oxygen. So how well you use oxygen is going to determine your, your, your level of athletic fitness and capability. <clears throat> Typically the people who have higher VO2 maxes are, are, are cyclists, uh, marathon runners, um, uh, uh, Olympic skiers, you know, people who are going to be in full body motion, uh, and aerobic energy systems, and, and who are going to require a lot of oxygen over a longer period of time. And even if these athletes have the best VO2 max, it means nothing. It means nothing if they can't move. If their mindset does not allow them to overcome some of the personal struggles or personal obstacles that they're going to have in front of them, then how well they can breathe won't matter. If they have, if, if an, a marathon runner has a busted and broken ankle and can't even stand up on it, it doesn't matter how, how high his VO2 max is, because at that point it's, it, it, you can't use it. <clears throat> So what I want to consider, and these are very specific examples, but consider the thought that when we discuss the mind being strong, if the mind is the weak link of the human machine, then the rest of the links are only as strong as the mind itself, which is why so many cliche statements out there say mind over matter, you know, you know, mind muscle connection. And, you know, the mind has to be stronger than the physical body. And if you've never heard it before, I'll be the first to say it right now. Those are not just cliche statements. They are not just uh, uh, cultural adaptations. Those are, are proven 
facts time and time again by people much smarter than I, much more physically fit than I, and with much more experience than I. So if I know it applies and they know it applies, then there's no reason why you shouldn't as well. So though we won't discuss what the team dynamics of the human machine are exactly today, what I want to leave you all with as, as we begin to wrap this up is just understanding the importance of team dynamics in any setting. And more specifically, that any every team, any team is only as strong as the weakest link. So when the weakest link takes that back to team performance, everyone suffers. But it's not just as simple as cutting the weak link out, because that also does some significant damage to the rest of the team. And we can take the same concept and apply it to the human machine. When a weak link is identified, the weak link must be made stronger to, to fortify team cohesion and to furthermore improve performance. But more on that in the next episode. And until then, stay durable, my friends.